0: You know, one thing that we know about Jesus is that he has a great high priestly ministry to his church today, and he can sympathize and empathize with our temptations and even our suffering. He can pour out help in time of need. Jesus addresses Smyrna's suffering in Revelation 2 today on Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's message, we want to let you know that this is a listener-supported ministry. Call with your gift at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now, here's Pastor Michael. People in Smyrna were making life and death decisions, and To hold on to Jesus meant sometimes that you had no job. He said, and the blasphemy, verse 9, by those who say they are Jews, and these are probably those enemies I just described and are not, but are a synagogue, would you notice, of Satan. Satan's name means adversary or slanderer, and these Jews were doing just that to these Christians, and they were of the synagogue of Satan. Now, this is certainly not what you know wasn't the sign outside this is the synagogue of satan come on in you know he'll greet lucifer will greet you at the door you know give you a business card how you doing come on in i'm going to mess up your life and your family that's not it but these were the jewish people the jewish religious leaders and remember much of the early church was jewish so it doesn't mean that every jewish person rejected christ the early church was largely jewish however there was a group of religious people who held on to um, call it uh, more man's tradition and rejected Jesus as the Messiah. And so Jesus, when he confronted them in John 8, said, you're of your father, the devil. <whistles> Go back and read John 8, about verses 31 through the end of the chapter. And Jesus says, you're of your father, the devil. In other words, you're a synagogue of Satan. It's Satan's work that you're doing, even though you... You hide under the cloak of religiosity. You wear the right clothes. You fast twice a week. You search for converts, land and sea. And then Jesus says, and you make them twice the child of hell as you yourself are. (laughs) Ooh, ouch. But there you go. And so, sadly, it was religious people that were at the core of this persecution, You know, often, as you begin to watch church history, turn to the book of Hebrews for 2nd chapter 10, much of the persecution that came to Christians came from religious people. Now, a lot of persecution did happen, Hitler and Stalin and, and people like that. But if you read, like, for example, at the time when the Bible was trying to be placed into the hands of the common man, the people who were being burned at the stake, We're being burned at the stake by religious people. People who are being called to the witness stand and saying, if you don't recant your words against the Pope or against this, you're going to die. People were paying with their lives. The reason you have a Bible tonight is because people actually made a decision that getting the Bible to you was more important than their very lives. Wow. Look at Hebrews 10, verse 32. It says, remember the former days when, after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of suffering, Hebrews ten thirty three, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet, in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul." Now, faith, chapter 11, verse 1, is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, by faith, men of old gained approval. Back to Revelation 2. The church at Smyrna was suffering materially, but Jesus said they were wealthy spiritually. We'll see another church later that thinks they're rich, and Jesus says, You're poor. You think you're wealthy, but you're miserable, poor, blind, and naked. The church at Smyrna thought that they were poor, but they were actually rich. Have you ever met somebody? Maybe you've done some traveling, and you meet a Christian in another part of the world, and they're one of the richest people you've ever met, and they have relatively nothing in terms of material possessions. And you're, like, humbled by their faith, and you're, like, they have a bigger smile on their face 24-7 than I do as a Christian in the West that has, you know, all the stuff at my fingertips. What's wrong with me? Sometimes we're materially prosperous, but we're spiritually poor. Smyrna was being pressed, but they were giving off a sweet fragrance of Jesus Christ. When Jesus was anointed in John chapter 12, Jesus said, Let her alone in order that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with, with you, but you do not always have me. And in 2 Corinthians 2.14, Paul says, but thanks be to God who always leads us in his triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one an aroma from death to death, to the other an aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? 2 Corinthians two, fourteen through 16. So Smyrna was going through it, and you may be going through some difficulty tonight. Maybe it is persecution from family. Maybe you're going through a sickness tonight. Maybe you're just struggling with pressure from a job or a relationship. Well, Paul said to Timothy, here's one thing you can take to the bank. All those who want to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. (laughs) It's, It's a promise. I know you haven't put on in your refrigerator lately. But all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Second Timothy 3, verse 12. In Second Corinthians 8, 9, it says, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. This is what Jesus did for us. But it doesn't mean that the uh, suffering is easy. It's not easy for anybody. Look at verse 10. Jesus says, do not fear, Revelation 2.10, what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil, notice the devil is the one behind this, even though it'll be done probably by Romans and soldiers. The devil is about to cast some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have, here's our word again, tribulation flips this, 10 days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Jesus says, do not fear what you're about to suffer. Don't be afraid. Don't fear. The devil had asked for permission to sift Peter as wheat. Remember, Jesus told Peter, Peter, come over here for a second. Come into my office. Just by the way, Satan's been asking for permission to sift you as wheat. (laughs) Peter probably was thinking, Lord, why did you share that with me? That's information I would have rather not known. But I have prayed for you. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brethren. Jesus knew what was coming. He knew that there was a target on Peter. He knew that Peter was about to fail. The devil's about to cast some of you into prison that you may be tested. Look, testing is part of the Christian faith. God is ultimately the one behind everything. He's sovereign, so he has a leash on the devil, just like in the story of Job. The devil was able to get at Job, but there were parameters. And here, the devil is able to do some things to Christians at Smyrna, but it'll only be temporary, and it will be for the testing of their faith. What the devil uses for a temptation, God uses for a test to make us better. We're not better unless we go through tests, right? When we go through tests, we get testimonies, right? That's how it works. None of us invite them into our life. I hope you don't. I don't. And if we ever are praying together, please don't pray that. I will release your hand because I don't want any of that spilling over into my life. <laughs> but look, we're going to go through it. You're going to be tested 10 days. That means it's going to be temporary. It's not going to be long. The, the test will end at some point. That's, that's some of what we struggle with with tests and difficulties and tribulation, isn't it? We wonder, is this ever going to end, Lord? Is is this going to go on forever? Am I going to be stuck at this place forever? No, it's going to be 10 days. And the 10 days may be a literal number. Many commentators see it as figurative in that it means a short period of time. Short, not an extended period of time, like we have the 1,000 years. Some people believe the 1,000 years in Revelation 20 is figurative. I don't. But some people do and say the 1,000 years means an elongated number and 10 days means a short number if you're taking the figurative approach. But the number could be literal. It could just be a literal 10 days that they're going to suffer in prison. And most scholars see a tie back to the book of Daniel. And you guys all know that in Daniel 1, 2, and 3, Daniel and his three friends went through some tests. The first test was the food of the king. And Daniel purposed in his heart... Daniel 1, I think it's verse 8, that he would be, not be defiled by the king's delicacies. Oftentimes when you sat with a king, the food that he had, the wine that he had was sacrificed to false gods, but they also believed that the king himself was a god. And so Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's delicacies. And they had a little test, remember? Daniel said, okay, we'll have veggies and water for 10 days. And the other Young up-and-comers can have whatever from your table. Let's see who's better at the end of 10 days. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Visit the Walk in Truth store today and get the DVD series in Revelation by Michael Lance. The book of Revelation reveals the person and work of Jesus Christ. This book will give you a unique glimpse into heaven and the worship that happens there. It also reveals the future. We see the seven-sealed scroll, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the mark of the beast, and learn about the new heaven and the new earth. Join Michael Lance in these DVD series of the dramatic, often sobering book. Visit the Walk in Truth store today to order your copy of the DVDs, all available to help you dive deeper into the book of Revelation. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Remember, you can listen to today's program and previous ones whenever you want on our website, walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Daniel said, okay, we'll have veggies and water for 10 days, and the other young up-and-comers can have whatever from your table, and let's see who's better at the end of 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, Daniel and his friends, having eaten their spinach, were dun very strong, right? And the other guys weren't looking so great. They had eaten meat and wine. I mean, would you be better off with broccoli and carrots and water for 10 days or meat and wine every day at the king's table? If you had meat and wine every day at the king's table, I think you'd be walking around <laughs> Daniel and his buddies were ready to go. It was a 10-day test. The 10-day test, when it came to the king's delicacies, led into another chapter that was much greater in difficulty. As Nebuchadnezzar raised up a 90-foot colossal statue made in his image on the plain of Dura, gathered all the peoples of the lands and said, when the band begins to play, everybody's bowing to my statue." And if you've ever watched the VeggieTales version, how many of you have seen the VeggieTales version? Praise the Lord! The little guy—I don't even know what vegetable he is—says, "Hey, boss, there's three guys in your kingdom. They're not bowing down to your statue." What's going on around here? Says Nebi K Netzer, and he confronts them. I'm going to give you another chance. When the music plays, you're going to bow and. Remember the classic response back to our Bible is, King Nebuchadnezzar, we're not going to bow to your statue. And we believe that God will deliver us, but even if he doesn't, know today we are not bowing to your idol. That's faith. And Nebi, oh, he wasn't happy. He said, heat up the furnace seven times hotter than it's normally heated up, just in case the God of Israel can't deliver people from Furnaces that are seven times hotter just from normal furnaces of fire. Everybody with me? Seven times hotter. Well, when the guards threw them in, they got fried by the fire, it was so hot. Ah, they all died. And remember, as the Hebrew youths go in, and here, uh, this time without Daniel, as I recall the story, there's a fourth one in the fire. And he's, Tails. real shiny. <laughs> hey, boss. Didn't we throw three guys in there? There's a fourth walking around, and he looks like the son of God. Jesus didn't pull them from the fire, but walked with them in the fire. When you go through your tribulation, I have no biblical guarantee that God always heals, always Gets us, you know, an escape in terms of we get out of the situation. He provides a way of escape in temptation. Certainly there's always a way of escape. But when we're going through testing and trial, that's a different category. And what happens is Jesus joins us often in the trial. Sometimes he does remove it. Sometimes it lasts 10 days and it's gone. Sometimes it's longer. Sometimes it's shorter. But the 10 days is probably at least an illusion to the book of Daniel. You're going to be tested. It's not going to be forever. Some of you need to note that tonight. It's not going to be forever. You'll have tribulation 10 days and then he says, "Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life." That is eternal life. Jesus said in Matthew 10:28, "Don't fear those who can kill your body, but they're unable to kill your soul. Rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell." He says, are not two sparrows sold for a cent? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. Therefore, do not fear. You are of more value than many sparrows. Matthew 10, 28 through 31. So Jesus gives us promises. He doesn't promise easy things, but he promises to be with us in the tribulation and in the fire. And so the church at Smyrna is being encouraged to hold on. And when they do, they will receive the crown of life. Turn quickly to the book of James. We're just about done, but go to James for a second. James chapter 1. James brings up the crown of life. And I think here simply it speaks of eternal life. The word crown here is not diadema, which is the crown of a king, but it is Stephanos. It's the crown of life. It is the victor's crown. It's the wreath of flowers given to the winner at the Olympic Games, for example. And James 1.10 says, Let the rich man glory in his humiliation, because like flowering grass, he will pass away. James one eleven: The sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and its flower falls off. The beauty of its appearance is destroyed, so too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Blessed, by contrast, is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Paul will say in 2 Timothy 4 that all all those who love is appearing. Go back to Revelation 2 and we'll finish it up. Some of you are familiar with a man named Polycarp. Polycarp was the bishop of Smyrna. And make the connection, just reaffirm it tonight. He was the bishop of this fellowship. Polycarp was the bishop of Smyrna. And he began um, that role somewhere around A.D. 115. If the book of Revelation was written in A.D. 95, which is the majority of scholars, it is quite possible that Polycarp, the bishop of Smyrna, read the letter written to Smyrna. And Polycarp, somewhere around A.D. 155, he was 86 years old, refused to worship the emperor. This is a story documented in historical sources, um, uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs, for example. And Polycarp was told, you know, they wanted to have mercy on him. He's this older man. And they said, look, just acknowledge the emperor as Lord and we will not kill you. And Polycarp's famous response was, 80 in six years, he has done me no wrong. I will not deny him. And they said, then we're going to burn you. And he said, your fire may last for a little while, but watch out for the eternal fires that await those who don't know Jesus Christ. Your fire will burn for a little while, and then it will go out. And so they burned Polycarp, the bishop of Smyrna, at the stake. This is what the church has faced over the years, but faced it with bravery and with an eye on eternity be faithful unto death and i will give you the crown of life and finally he who has an ear let him hear revelation 2:11 what the spirit says to the churches he who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death the second death we're going to see several times in the book of revelation we'll see it in chapter 20 and other places and here's what the bible teaches if you're born twice, you will die once. The Bible says you must be born again of the Holy Spirit. And when you're born again of the Holy Spirit, the second death will not harm you. Because you've been born to life. You're written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And the ones who experience the second death are those who are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You can write down Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. They're cast into the lake of fire. But those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, they've been born twice physically and then spiritually, they will die once. Now, one generation will not die at all. That's that last generation. But for everybody else, if you're born twice, born physically, born again spiritually, you'll die once, a physical death. If you're born once, you'll die twice, physically, and then you're going to die spiritually. In fact, you're already dead spiritually as a non-believer, but the ultimate destiny will be judgment. And so I would just say, make sure you've been born twice. Amen? You might say, well, Pastor Michael, what does it mean to be born again of the Holy Spirit? It means to be born from above. Nicodemus in John 3 had that question. He said, how can a man be born again when he's old? Am I going to do one of those movies where... It's a reverse aging thing. And I end up back in my mother's womb. Is that what's going on here? Is that what you're talking about? Jesus said, no, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. These words that I'm speaking to you, in other words, are spirit and they are life. And I think as I look at you tonight, I see many born again believers, praise God. You've been born twice. You're only going to die once, should the Lord tarry, right? But we will not taste the second death. In fact, we will be in the presence of our King forevermore. You know, the good news of the gospel is that in Jesus, we have eternal life. We have something to look forward to. Amen. And, you know, the book of Revelation gives us this insight into a heavy time for the church, but the hope that the gospel is way beyond this life. In fact, there's much more ahead of us than there is behind us when you think about it, because what's in front of us is all eternity. And if you're in Jesus Christ, then you have that to look forward to. So as we teach the Word of God on this radio broadcast in our own church fellowship, as you listen to God's Word and go deeper with Him, the book of Revelation is meant to encourage you, bless you, and give you an eternal perspective. And I pray that that's what you're gaining from this incredible teaching in the book of Revelation. Well, hey, I'm Pastor Michael Lance, and Walk in Truth is the audio ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. And our goal is to reach out with God's truth to all people by means of radio and podcast. We are breaking down God's word verse by verse, applying it to today's issues trends, culture, and of course, to our own personal walk with Jesus, our witness in the world. We encourage you to keep listening on this station, and whenever you like, you can subscribe to listen to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. We're on Stitcher, Spotify, iPodcast, and many, many more. Now, friend, we're on the radio and able to podcast because of the generous support of listeners like you partnering with us, believing in what we do, and coming alongside of us. Radio airtime does cost money, but we believe that God has called us to be on radio to equip the body of Christ and reach out with God's truth. Now, if you've been blessed by what we're doing, would you consider giving us a gift? And if you have given in the past, we want to say a big thank you. And if you're praying for us, we also want to say thank you. But please consider partnering with us today. We really appreciate all the donations. It doesn't matter what the size of it is. What matters is that we know you're partnering with us. Now, you can give online when you go to walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. And on behalf of all the team here at Walk in Truth, ahead of time, I'd like to say thank you very much. We deeply appreciate your gifts to this ministry. Well, friend, if you live near Corona and you're not in a fellowship somewhere, and you should be, know that you're invited to everything we're doing here at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. We have events like free parenting classes. We have Bible studies, breakfast, church services, and much, much more. Join us tomorrow for our Wednesday night service at 7 p.m. I'm teaching through the book of Job. It's an incredibly deep study, but it's very powerful. It's about the problem of evil and the power of the gospel. Now, you can download our free Living Truth app in the App Store and you'll know exactly what's going on. You can find out service times, Bible studies, events, all that you need when you go there. The Living Truth app is free. Download it today. Just look for the red logo with the pillars. Well, I want to invite you to come back tomorrow as we'll be in Revelation chapter two. We're going to learn about the church in Pergamum. We'll learn about the danger of compromise and how we can shield our lives from it. Until then, invite a friend, be back with us tomorrow. Tell them what you're hearing on this station. May God bless you we'll see you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.